0: Bring a Trailer Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bring a Trailer Podcast. This is Alex, and I'm joined by Zach. How are you doing today, Zach?
1: Hey, I'm good. What's on the schedule today?
0: Well, I was hoping that we could chat a little bit about cars that have been on the site recently, interesting results, uh, things that we were getting excited about, and then maybe we could pivot over to the long list of wonderful questions that our staff sent us, topics that they were interested in hearing us discuss on the podcast. Awesome. I'm stoked for the staff questions. Okay, killer. I am too. Uh, we can give some shout outs to our colleagues who uh, were very generous in suggesting topics. But before we do that, let's talk about what's been on the site recently. There's been some stuff that has gotten me pretty excited. We were uh, talking before we started recording here about some of the Rod Emery cars that have been on recently. We've had a couple of them. Always exciting when we get one of those cars. Typically, they're 356s. Uh, and we had one of those, a Speedster uh, with no bumpers. Tell us how you feel about no bumpers on Speedster, oh, Zach. Oh, man.
1: Does anyone feel great about no bumpers on speedsters? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I could do sleigh bumpers, but no bumpers, not my favorite. What
0: is a sleigh do you mean like the little nerf bar things? Do you remember Randy's black Super 90 for this? No, I, I only knew about his silver 356A. They're kind
1: of nerf bar y, yeah. They jut down and then curl up in the front.
0: Yeah, I've maybe seen those, those before. There. Yeah, I always I think maybe that's what I always refer to as nerf bars. But yeah, just mm. little two little vertical things. No they're not
1: yeah, they're not horizontal.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. This is an interesting car. It has kind of a 550 looking front end on it. Great color. One of the things we were talking about is how shockingly powerful the motors have become in these.
1: Well, that's what I wanted to ask. So walk me through what was the engine in this car that just sold?
0: So this one has a, it's a four cylinder and it's 2.6 liter and it's got allegedly 260 horsepower. So we had here in the office for a while, a older Emory build that the co-founders of Bring a Trailer had. It was a much more traditional looking 356, though beautifully built as all the Rod Emory cars are. And it had a um, Polo motor in it, which as I recall, was like a 3.6 liter. Like nine, a 964
1: based. Area, right, with right? two
0: cylinders chopped off, yeah. right? Which makes it 2.4 liter, but still overhead cam and all that. But I thought that was like 180 horsepower. So I don't know how they're, they've they gotten, you know, almost 100 horsepower more out of these little four cylinders. This thing must fly. I mean, pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, ITBs, it must sound ridiculous.
0: Oh, can you imagine?
1: And yeah, I like the rear three-quarter a lot, Carrera-style grill. My big question is how long till guys with, Beck speedsters and vintage classic speedsters start putting K series motors in them and also making 260 horsepower and saying oh it's basically it's basically an Emory speedster.
0: I never want to record a podcast with you Zach where we don't talk about a K series K swap, swap in a in a 356. Probably only a matter of time. You know, I used to think the Subaru motors were sacrilegious but I'm more and more pro except I don't know where you fit the radiator.
1: Fair. Yeah, I'm not the biggest replica person on staff. <laughs>
0: I'm. I have tendency not to be as well. Although we had a great result on an alloy body Cobra replica, didn't we recently? That's about as good as you can get for a replica, right? An alloy body on a on a Cobra. I mean, you've almost got the real thing there.
1: Yeah, I know the parts built on is relatively simple, so you can get a pretty true recreation. So yeah, I, I can get down with those, and you get a lot of the experience of what it would be like to roll one around in the '60s.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cool yeah. when they're
1: on events. But yeah, one one thing that's also interesting to me about this Speedster is. The last few Speedster results that have really rung the bell like this, this car sold for eight hundred and two grand, which is a lot relative to a stock Speedster, right? It's like double. The last few to really ring the bell like that have been modified cars. Serio's black Speedster, which was sweet with the Wilhoyt motor. Oh, that car was
0: great. That was the car that had the black Rudge knockoffs on it. Yes. Um, And the Wilhoyt
1: motor is sweet in that. And it was four speed. I mean, great event car. And I believe he's... Driven it a ton on a ton of different events. That sold for I think around six hundred grand. Wow! So it's interesting to see original cars are maybe a little flat over the past couple of years. I mean, it's still an incredible car. A lot of event eligibility and owning one like gives you access to all this just cool Porsche World stuff and cool vintage event stuff. So I see the appeal, but it's
0: interesting to see
1: people really paying up for modified cars like that.
0: Do you think that that is brand or mark specific? I mean, Porsches are kind of famous for having modifications, right? Like most Porsches are modified, at least most vintage Porsches. So do you think that that would hold true for other cars too? Or do you think that's kind of specific to Porsche where people are willing to tolerate more modifications?
1: Good question. I don't know. It seems like the, I guess you could call them manufacturers or like tuning houses that are building these either true to the original ethos recreations or resto mods like the Gunther Works 993s that have crazy performance, but still some vintage characteristics. It seems like Porsche is the big one that sort of cracked that market. We haven't seen much from other manufacturers other than there, there's the Jaguar Eagle.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh.
1: Sort of Restomati E-type.
0: In the truck world, there's some of that, right? John Jonathan Ward was on this podcast with Randy recently, and obviously those cars have enormous value, the icon builds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I don't know. It'd be cool. I mean, the alphaholics. GTBs are sweet. Everyone here in the office would love to have one, but they just don't have quite the... just seems like there's fewer of them out there than all the Porsche yeah, ones. Yeah, totally.
0: I think we've only had one of those crazy Alphaholics build. I love that car, though, with ITBs on it and carbon fiber body panels and stuff. That was an interesting yeah. car, because I don't know if you remember that one, but it was bought on BAT in unmodified state, and then the guy sent it off to Alphaholics to have the build done and then listed it again. Did you... I do remember that. Yeah, yeah okay.
1: I think he bought it from... Yeah. Yeah. So it was huge starting with a pretty clean car. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting tangent. Maybe we'll circle back to that on a future podcast.
0: It could be a whole topic, right?
1: I am curious. Yeah. What, what manufacturer you'd like to see or what model you'd like to see?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, typically the older I get, the more I want the car to be the way it was when it was new from the manufacturer. And yet you can't deny an Emory car or an icon Bronco, right? Like that's an amazing experience in and of itself. But I think you're right. That's almost like it's almost like its own manufacturer building it, right? It's like an Alpina is different than a yeah. BMW in some ways,
1: right? It's also funny to hear you say that because your 912s kind of like built the way you like it. You've got a fat motor. Totally. Slammed.
0: Yeah. That took 20 years to dial it in though, you know. And, and like, now
1: do you wish, now that you're an old man, do you wish no. it was just stock?
0: No. A 912 e is a sad object in stock form. <laughs> 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 I remember what that car was like with 90 horsepower. It is better now. But anyway, I am yeah. thinking about putting 15-inch wheels on it and skinnier tires and everything. Cool, well, I support softer. that.
1: Yeah, I love driving that car. It's so neutral handles. It's very confidence-inspiring. But I mean, fat motors is what used to be in the Emery cars in the early days. Right? That's
0: correct. That's in fact that's why I wanted that motor for that car. Really, uh, on Jay Leno's Garage, many years ago, Rod Emery brought two cars, one of which was later auctioned on BAT. That silver 356, I think, it was an A coupe. Uh, he brought two cars to Jay Leno. This was like pretty early on when Jay Leno's garage was becoming kind of a YouTube phenomenon. And those cars had 2.7 liter fat motors in them, which are um, still pushrod. They're pushrod type four Volkswagen engines with like 180 horsepower. And that's what made me want to want to build one. And when I told the fat guys that I wanted a two seven, they said, no, no, no. That's for the rich guys. You want a two, four. It'll be more reliable and you'll make almost nice. They power. sized you up. They totally did. They totally did. And they were right. The motor's been great. I've had it for it was right when I first started working with you when I, had I remember. That yeah. yeah. So I've had it for six or seven years. That
1: drive we took for the first time after it was built. It was smoking up a storm. God, I don't
0: remember that. Where was and that Howard on a rally? His
1: mom's came in.
0: Oh, I do remember that drive. Oh, man. Yeah, I almost killed we, myself on yeah, that Yeah, we drive. can
1: recount those tales in, <laughs> in the future.
0: Yeah, trying to keep up with Howard's Cayman and that 912. Uh, interesting comparison, talking about uh, you know values and modified cars. The other Emery car we had was a, not a 356. It was a short wheelbase 911S, a 67. I freaking loved that car. Still did great. What did it sell for? 300? 300 310. Something? 310 great car. Not something you see every day, a 911 by Rod Emery.
1: I know. I was just going to ask. I think that's, we had a 912 Emery race car four years ago now. And I think that was a pretty early car for him. Yeah. Interesting to
0: see a 911 come through on them. Pretty great car. Uh, Tremendous horsepower out of a 2.8 liter twin plug motor. Great stance, great colors. Uh Uh, Would you cruise that around or is that too racy for the street, do you think?
1: I've yet to come across something that I think is too great. I have a high tolerance for stuff like that. But for me, I'm just a little bit more of a long wheelbase early 911 person. Yeah. Short wheelbase cars are cool for a lot of reasons, but the wheels are always so inboard, which you like. I do. And I I understand the appeal, but I like some of the touches that the
0: little bit later long wheelbase cars get. I mean, my dream would be to have a, you know, my love for, used to have a 72. I love a 72 with the outside fuel door and all that. Those are my favorites. But I like all these long hood cars, Zach. Anything in particular that you wanted to talk about or any interesting results that you thought were kind of exciting?
1: Um, Well, you're bugging me about this 400,000 mile Supra, which was cool to see. I mean, kind of a, a labor of love, a little bit out of the guy selling it, assisting the nice older woman whose husband, I think, daily drove it for basically his entire life from the 90s on. That's how it accumulated all those miles. And it was in rough shape. Did you go down the YouTube videos he made?
0: I, I didn't go, I watched a few of them here and there. The main thing I was doing was reading through the comments. This car got a lot of, attracted a lot of attention. I think a few news outlets even picked it up. It got almost 200 comments and over 50,000 views and ended up bidding pretty strong. Were you surprised by that result? Sold for almost $50,000? Yeah, it sold for
1: 58750 seven fifty. I thought it would probably get to 50 all day. The super parts are just getting so expensive, where I'm pretty sure that Getrag 6-speed is... Like bottomed at 10 grand. So parts alone. No kidding. That's what those gearboxes cost? Yeah.
0: Whoa. Because people want to swap them into the automatic cars?
1: That and they just are super robust, hold a lot of power. I believe it's the same transmission that's in the R34, also. I don't know what else is shared with it. Anyway.
0: God, I, I mean, hope somebody doesn't part that out. I hope somebody no, just cleans no, no. it up and drives it around. I love. All I mean, the miles.
1: seller did an awesome job of cleaning it up himself. And sorry, it sold for forty nine five. There was another ninety seven. There were two blue, blues, right? <laughs> also high mileage that sold the week after. Or what was the, what was the mileage on that one? I saw. That or one. I guess it's low mileage relative. <laughs> to This one was two hundred five thousand miles. Amazing. But the seller on the three hundred eighty eight thousand mile car did a phenomenal job with all the YouTube videos. If you're into. Do you ever go deep on detailing cleaning videos?
0: I like on Reddit. There's the oddly satisfying. There's like there's oh, no, there's like a power washing porn subreddit that I watch and there's also like a, you know, oddly satisfying one. And a lot of times they are about cleaning. I do love watching that kind of stuff. There's
1: some great cleaning vids from this guy pulling it out and redoing all the carpets and interior. So he really put the sweat equity into it and the result. Yeah, it looks like a car that's ready to go another 400,000 miles.
0: Awesome. A couple of years ago, you were contemplating a kind of driver-level, semi-in-need-of-restoration Mark IV Supra Turbo, weren't you?
1: I'm always kind of thinking about these. I think like a as stock as possible, like this car, and kind of rough, so you could still drive it around the city. You know how much I love road trips. Like, cruise it to LA, totally. be great on the freeway, solid. I'm not into the whole, like, big power. I don't need a crazy modified super or anything like that, but just to enjoy it kind of as it was built in the time. Much like you were saying that you like uh, a little bit earlier, though.
0: I'm sure they're not slow. They're over 320, 320 horsepower or something
1: yeah, like that. I'm sure it's, it's not terribly slow. <laughs> There's a great best motoring video of, I think it's 93, the release of the Sorry, Supra. best
0: motoring is the one where all the Japanese race drivers race like street cars against each other. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I've yeah, seen it's, clips it's of that. It's like
1: Gran Turismo in real life. And for the Super launch, they went to San Francisco and they drive. It's a black hard top, six speed, 93, and he's lapping it completely stock around Laguna Seca. Whoa. And there's all these old shots of San Francisco of them filming in traffic and some city shots, him driving the super around. It's just awesome to see 30 years ago. And then, yeah, they go to Laguna Seca and there's huge amounts of body roll for what we're used to now, but he still clicks off. He's got to at least do a one minute 50 on wow 90s tires amazing
0: stock car so yeah they're, they're plenty quick i'm nostalgic for body roll zach that's one thing we forgot to mention about this car this is a hard top the high mileage super is not a target top oh yeah which is pretty
1: rare right it's yeah. uncommon yeah there's some years where you can only get a targa when you're you can only get an automatic too i'm like i'm a Targa guy I, so. <laughs> I know. I know. there's are they're is... kind of heavy it's kind of a big gt car and it's just nice to totally the top fits in the rear hatch it's and i, I, if I correct engineered. me if
0: i'm wrong but i believe it actually like screws it's like a hard mount for the target top
1: it's, yeah there's a little tool right so super buyers out there make sure you have the little target top pouch and tool in the glove
0: box tips tips from the bat podcast there was also speaking of japanese cars and zach love there was a r30 a white r34 skyline that did really well i presume you were following that one you love those cars
1: yeah, unfortunately, every time I'm on here, I say Skyline. If you're playing the BAT podcast drinking <laughs> game, probably drunk by now.
0: I uh, was hoping you could school me on Skylines a little bit, though, because this has many numbers and letters after Skyline, and I am ashamed to admit I'm always a little confused on all the different variations. So this is a spec B-Spec N1. What the hell does that mean? Does that
1: nice. Mean? <laughs> yeah, the, the hierarchy of R34s. We'll see if I get any emails in my inbox telling me how we're going to ignore them. this. Yeah. So starting in 1999 you could get a r34 skyline gtr in 98 there's at least a gt narrow body doesn't have an rb26 naturally aspirated gtt would have a turbo they're rear-wheel drive different car for the first of this conversation yeah 99 is the first year of an r34 skyline and you could get just a gtr or you could get a gtr v-spec the big difference between the two is the non v-spec has a fully mechanical diff and the v-spec gets this e-diff which is first for the skyline the 33 and the 32 had a mechanical diff
0: is it one e-diff. of the first
1: e-diffs period it must be yeah that it communicates what the front and rear tires are doing to the computer like 10 times as much info as the mechanical diff does so that's the v-spec gets a couple other minor things but the big change there and then in 2000 from the factory nissan made i believe it's 38 n1s and that's it was a race homologation they made an oh. n1 and the 32 and in the 33 and it was so nissan could take these cars racing so is that
0: japanese supercar what's that series called where those cars race? super gt super gt okay
1: yeah i don't know too much about the okay. racing history on these anyway the N1 there's no central locks there's no AC there's no stereo they get a uh, thinner paint from the factory whoa. they all came in white they call it i think they call it factory hardened paint whoa, this lighter paint on it yeah no privacy glass
0: so is this this is top desirability level for 2000
1: in terms of yeah production numbers alone it's it's very true to the race car in terms of the features that it strips out. It's a little more hardcore than I typically like, just because, yeah, I like cruise my cars on road trip and stuff. You said like
0: no that. AC on that car?
1: No AC, no stereo, but it still gets the awesome computer that debuted on the R34 Skyline that has the, the PlayStation
0: looking yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: graphics on there. Uh-huh. And gives you like pitch and yaw and boost and all this stuff. And they also get a unique engine that has forged pistons. I think a different oil cooler different cams. It may actually be the same cams, but forged pistons and I think connecting rods and, and some other stuff. And I believe they get different, slightly larger and ceramic turbos that are just more robust. So a lot of the 38 cars that came out over the past 20 years, they were cheap for a little bit. And people, as people with these cars do, have modified them quite a bit. So seeing one like this, that's relatively or pretty much stock is Definitely the formula for what was a great result for it. So yeah, and then in late 01, early 02, they debut a refresh of the car. You can get a V-Spec 2, which gets a carbon fiber hood, different suspension, larger rear brakes, and then they made an N1 of the V-Spec 2, and I think there's only 20 of those. I haven't wow. seen one come to market, and then you get the NERS, there's an M-Spec NER, and there's also a V-Spec NER, the M-Spec's on the short display list, the V isn't. Both of the NERS get the N1 engine. That's the big appeal of them. They get the upgraded engine from what's the street race car homologation, some other little bit unique touches about them. The M spec is like a luxury spec that see, the chief engineer or the president or some higher up at Nissan at the time, loved the R34 Skyline and wanted one that was just more comfortable and luxurious. <laughs> So that. they put adaptive suspension on it. I think they call it, uh, it's like ripple ride suspension or something like that. So it's it's more compliant and then it gets leather interior and factory heated seats. Wow. So that's the M-Spec and then the V-Spec is still. That sounds
0: like the Zach Spec. That would uh, be it's kind of really cool, but
1: it's like, it's dumb, but the letter V is so much cooler than the letter M, right? It's that's just, true.
0: but heated leather seats is kind of strong in the skyline.
1: I know, but there's still Nissan leather seats yeah, and like, you can just tell by the photos, <laughs> like the fit is not quite right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like the, the cloth interior is just way better. Yeah, on those, sure. those seats are unique to that car and just look so sweet. So
0: it's amazing. You're able to rattle all that off. I'm, I was nodding my head, but I've, I'm lost. Oh, like, I'm sure, I, there's,
1: <laughs> sure there's some corrections that'll be submitted in there, something. Uh, right, well, now I can finally stop talking about Skylines. No,
0: podcast. no. Well, it was my fault. I brought it up and I probably will bring it up again. That was an education. I appreciate that. I like those cars a lot. I just, I do have a hard time keeping straight. What's what, but I kind of want the the soft comfort car. Was that, could you option that? Or is that a, a thing that they released a limited number of the m Yeah, M-spec? limited number. There's okay.
1: 285, uh, I think is M-specs. And then there's right around 700 V-spec nerds. That's the split. Yeah, there's just around a thousand. And there's like an ambiguous three that may or may not have been like lost at sea or had an
0: accident. There's something weird with the production numbers on those. The history of any car is like that, right? People always claim they know exactly what happened, but that's not always the case. Awesome. Any other uh, results that you want to talk about? I have some other things written down here, but I want to make sure we have time to get to our questions from our staffers. I'll just note, we had a Vincent Black Shadow. You know how much I love when we list Vincent's, and I always like to bring up motorcycle results that sold for Bike talk, man,
1: like an ex-addict. I'm ready to talk.
0: Well, first of all, we have a great motorcycle team here who specializes in working with our motorcycle sellers and writing those listings up, especially when it's a special bike. Shout out to Tyler Greenblatt, who you know, who's such a great guy and does such a good job with those. But I'm always excited to see those bikes. My dad had a box of Vincent parts in our garage for my whole youth, so it's nice to see them when they're put together and actually rideable. We've had some cool Ferrari Dinos, not
1: live, but I had a moment this week where I was just going down such a deep rabbit hole on NC30 Hondas. Oh,
0: man. Is that the V4?
1: Yeah, the VFR 750 yeah. is a four-cylinder. Yes. And then they also made an NC, which is a 400cc four-cyl, revs to 16 grand. They're much less expensive. Just That's the one, one with the mono here. shock
0: like swing arm on one side and white wheels and all that stuff. Yes, it has a single sided. Yeah, arm dude. They the look wheels, so great. They're like red, late blue. Late eighties. They have the two headlights. Man, those yep. are great looking.
1: Ugh. I kinda wanna just shove one in the office, but it's such a gateway drug. Dude. It's Ripping totally
0: around is around. a gateway drug. That's like the ultimate, like rich guy man cave art, you know, one of the one of those things. They are a beautiful yeah, looking that,
1: motorcycle. And, and a nine nine eight Ducati.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, right, I'm not see. opposed to it. If you want to do that, I'm fine with it. You want to dive into some questions, Zach? Yeah, please. queue them up. Yes. So this is, uh, the other day I said, we're going to record a podcast and asked our staff what kind of stuff they'd like us to talk about. And we got a bunch of responses. Tremendous number of responses on uh, on airplanes in the background of shots, which maybe we'll save for another day since uh, I know you're not quite as much of an airplane nerd as I am. I've but-
1: become an aviation enthusiast like, as a byproduct of my dislike of flying, though.
0: Zach and I recently flew back from New York together and you you were, you were, you were clocking all the noises. That's the gear. There's the flaps. There's the spoilers. I was like, you are right, Zach. You were right on.
1: It's all fun and games till a noise happens that you don't recognize. Until
0: the the bolts on the door plug are loose (laughs) (laughs) or missing or whatever it was. I'm a drive around with the windows down kind of guy anyway. Heated seats in your R34 Skyline. Got a bunch of good questions here and a lot of them have to do with things that we hear a lot as staffers. I'll tee these up and we can kind of discuss them back and forth. Yeah, Um, shout them out. I want to hear who the staffer is too. Absolutely. So uh, right up top, we have Ryan S. He threw a lot in here. One of the things he asked about is photo age. And I I know that we have discussed this on the podcast before, but it's it's never a bad idea to talk about photos and how important they are for the presentation of a car. Uh, And the specific question that he's asking about is kind of recency of photos and whether that matters and... Maybe it's the winter, and so if you took brand new photos, the car would be out in the snow, so maybe is it better to use five-month-old photos when the car was still in, in the sun or when the seller had a pro photographer come out and take the photos? How do, how do you think about that?
1: Zach? I mean, recency is your domain. That's your team setting the tone there.
0: For sure. I mean, we always put ourselves in the shoes of a buyer, right? Like if you were looking at a car on Bring a Trailer Online, wouldn't you want the pictures to be from yesterday if you could, right? I mean, that's not realistic, but you want them to be as recent as possible to reflect the current condition of the car. Yeah, and
1: we do have a way on staff to check that also. Even if you say, hey, photos are nine months old, send us that odometer pic. Let's compare and contrast. And yeah, if the car's traveled, I don't know, 10 miles between now and nine months ago, probably okay.
0: It's a tricky one because sometimes folks have great photos of their car and that matters too, right? A killer presentation, a super amazing hero shot for your lead image is really important to get people to click on your listing and to to help get people excited about the idea of owning it. But at the same time, if somebody knew that that photo was from two years ago and you'd driven the car 10,000 miles since then, maybe it doesn't matter how great that photo is, right?
1: 100%. Yep. If you have different wheels on your car from the time that you uploaded the original photos and are now asking if you can use them. There's your answer.
0: (laughs) Totally. Related to that, our guy Roland asks about when folks come, and this is a little bit more in your domain, Zach, with the curation team, when folks come back through with a car that they've bought on the site, so I won this car on the site, now I'm coming back to bring a trailer to sell that car and they often want to use the photos from the listing from which they bought the car. So how do we talk to those folks? Yeah, it
1: makes sense. I mean, the photos inspired them to buy the car. They know they're inspiring, want to use them, often are pretty good. It depends a little bit. The biggest favor you can do to yourself is make that listing if you're kind of fresh to market. So get new pro photos, Sell the dream again. It'll be a little more interesting. You'll probably get a little more banter in the comments in a good way. But if that's not an option, then yeah, take a few to convey its current condition just for buyer confidence and just for freshness. And then we can supplement some of the old ones in there. If the car hasn't changed its form or traveled a significant distance since.
0: One of the ways folks on my team think about this, the folks who are actually writing the listings and putting them together is, you know, it's all about the confidence of the potential buyer, right? So recent photos, photos that show flaws, photos that show Anything that a potential buyer would want to know about, that's the key, right? Like you're trying to get somebody who's looking at a car on the internet to have faith in you as a seller and have faith that the car is as represented. So that's that's the most important thing in all of these photo discussions. Exactly. Um, and that's
1: where a quick iPhone walk around vid can do a ton. Even totally. if You can't get that many photos out depending on the winter in Michigan. You can still get a walk-around video and convey to everyone the condition is the same. And then, yeah, maybe use some of those old inspirational photos that you had.
0: Videos have become so important. And we now have them as part of our photo service that you can opt into. Man, when we first started here, Zach, it was rare to get a video. And so now, you know, as a buyer myself, I would want to see the car start up. I would want somebody to walk around it, right? I would want to see all those things. Expectations have changed on that. Yeah, hearing it is another thing that inspires me to own You down to talk reserves a little bit and talk about the job that you do all day long, you and your crew?
1: Sure, yeah. Who on staff is submitting a card? So this is from our
0: our guy, Rusty. So you can uh, send him your hate mail, Rusty. XJ uh,
1: Cherokee, no reserves. Let's go, Rusty. (laughs)
0: So uh, one the of the- Dolomite finally getting cleaned up. I'm looking at his Slack profile photo and it's, it's the Dolomite. Nice. So Rusty taking on the persona of a potential seller on BAT saying, hey, it's my car. I'm going to pay you $99 to list it. Why can't I select any reserve I want? I presume you hear that question all day long, right? Yeah,
1: that's a tough one. That's one that used to bring out a lot of emotions in Howard and I in the early days. But now, yeah, letting people know it's just not a feed to list service, straight up. It's a curated marketplace. And like any curated marketplace, the reserve's a component of that. We want to vet to make sure sellers are realistic and not just testing the market. It's sort of important to the integrity of our marketplace. Everyone knows they have a realistic chance of winning the car and things have been vetted to make sure sellers' expectations are within market value.
0: Yeah. Nobody feels good when the car doesn't meet reserve at the end. Oh yeah. it
1: feels, feels terrible for us to like list a yellow Civic SI with 40,000
0: miles with a $100,000 reserve. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That one will be no reserve if my son doesn't drive it, Zach. He actually really wants it. Uh, He's only less than two years away from his permit, if you can believe that. Also from Rusty, another really good question that we get a lot, which is, how many people are going to see my car? Where is it going to be featured? Like, How does it get highlighted? Like, How do we make sure people click on my listing? We have a really healthy viewer count, watcher count on our listings, but presumably you get that question in curation a lot too, Zach.
1: Yeah, it's weird. We used to get it a lot more in the early days when I think more people were unfamiliar or skeptical with the site, but now we're so fortunate to have just so much notoriety that people kind of know what to expect on that front. I get a lot more direct requests for like, can this be on your Instagram, or or can I can I Venmo you to get this on your Instagram? Uh, unfortunately, no no direct requests there. But many cars are still featured on our Facebook. I know that's not as big of an audience as it once was. A lot of people have kind of shifted over to Instagram, but um, that still goes a lot. Everything goes on our what's now X, I believe. <laughs> Ass- assuming we yeah we switched yeah, over. Be careful,
0: there. Elon that's- gets mad if you call it Twitter, so be um, careful.
1: Yeah, so we're doing that for a while, and then the the best presented and sort of the most unique listings have the highest likelihood of making it onto our Instagram. So that's what I tell people all day when they have, yeah, maybe a nice C1 Corvette with a good story behind it that best thing you can do is photograph it well it's going to increase your odds of getting featured and on our social channels and also just drive higher bidding so all comes back to the photos Um, in terms of engagement and views it's we're probably around eight to ten thousand on average for most listings and watcher counts probably around 700 or so but like that emery car that was probably a fifty thousand view listing
0: uh yeah the um super uh, Super was was definitely yeah. yeah with
1: 1250 watchers Some of that is model specific.
0: Or people get excited about the car. They get excited about the story, to your point. That's a good segue into a question from our guy, Dave. Dave D, again, kind of taking the persona of a seller who has just received their listing from our team. Why is my description so negative? Why are you only talking about the problems with my car? Uh, And what Dave, I think, wants us to speak to is kind of our philosophy on the importance of disclosing, you know, issues with cars and being honest about what they are and what they aren't, which is something that we uh we didn't pioneer at VAT, but we've always believed in and lent into. How do you think about that, Zach?
1: Oh man, that's totally your domain. I can't take that question from you.
0: <laughs> well you could start and then I can I can mop up the floor afterwards. Yeah, I, I could speak funny, at length like, about this, obviously. Yeah, well we
1: haven't necessarily pioneered it. I do think our very like objective voice has been kind of pioneered in the industry. Like there's not these flowery, long-winded descriptions. And it is funny now, sometimes when I go on to Craigslist or I'm browsing online, a lot of people have emulated that style. I see that too. See that? Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm like,
0: oh man, this guy's read some Bring a Trailer List. It makes me
1: blush a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, totally. I mean, for me at least, I think it goes back to what we were talking about with photos, which is again, you're listing a car that you want thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars for sight unseen on the internet. So it's all about getting the confidence of potential buyers, potential bidders, even just the community members and experts who are going to talk about that car, right? And so I always tell the folks who work for me, put yourself in the shoes of one of those potential buyers. What would you want to know if you were going to buy this car, right? You'd want to know what issues it has. You'd want to know the history of it. You'd want a straightforward and as objective a telling of the car about what it is and what it isn't as possible. And that is not traditionally how cars have been sold, right? Uh, If you're a salesman, you're often... Talking about just the virtues and trying to sweep the issues under the rug, and that's no way to get somebody, you know, no way to make somebody feel confident on the
1: internet. Agree, and yeah, well, subjectivity is entertaining. It's also subjectivity and hyperbole is like everything wrong with listings online. All these throwaway turns turns heads. It's oh, just like God.
0: meaningless. You know um, how I get exercised about some of these things. I mean, you know, what is a nut and bolt restoration, Zach? I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what that means, and it's used all the time in this industry, and frustrates you know a lot of us to no end
1: all right beers for the next one and we'll air out our grievances of least favorite (laughs) selling cliches over the last four decades
0: I guess one other thing I'll just say on that is our team really cares about this a lot. Like everyone on staff at Bring a Trailer is really passionate about being super objective and transparent, which sounds like a like a line that we would feed to people, but it's really true. It really motivates people to do their jobs excellently here and makes it such a great place to work. And I'm so glad we've been able to kind of inculcate that value to all of our to all of our colleagues. So, agree, agree. Well cool. said. A couple more and then we can sign off here. Dustin. Dustin F., who I think you met when he was out here a couple of weeks ago, he asks about, you know, the kind of people who are bring a trailer readers. And you and I have been to lots of events. And I would say it's actually a shockingly broad demographic of people who come up to us in the tent. We actually have a pretty broad spectrum of ages. And wouldn't you say that's true?
1: Oh, 100 percent. It's crazy how even the metrics are across 18 to 34. And then it's like 34 to 50. It's a really even spread across ages. And. I'm blown away at just the literal diversity of our audience in person whenever we do all all these events. It's incredible in both cars and people.
0: Yep. Agreed completely. I think it's one of the things that attracted me to bring a trailer for all the years that I was a fan before I ever worked here, right, is the eclecticism of the cars and the people and all of that. So I agree completely. And I, I would also say that the fact that we are kind of a community-based community based Company, right and yeah. the community is at the core of all of it and that it's kind of a free place to hang out and talk about something you love really is it's a quite welcoming place oh I yeah I,
1: I was just gonna say i love how welcoming our community feels and it's also just crazy our corner of the internet's like pretty civil totally, totally. i mean case in point read any comments on any youtube video now it's <sighs> dude i can't even do it
0: it's out of control i, I actually i don't know if the, you found this like I am such a partisan for what we do. I have a hard time even reading car content in most places. People are so Hmm. kind of strongly, angrily opinionated in so many corners of the internet, even when it comes to our hobby that I'm like, no, thank you. Like I'd rather go somewhere where people want to talk about the things that they love about the car in front of them, right? Then you know, like one of my favorite car buddies in high school, he would get excited about anybody's car. It could have been a slammed Honda Civic or my crappy '12 or that
1: in you, which I always really appreciate. Totally, and if somebody so- else is
0: enthusiastic, it's easy to share that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it definitely lifts you up in in a good way. and we get I could a lot- use a little more of that. <laughs>
0: let's hang out more man yeah i think that's a good i can uh, say
1: something nice about speedsters with no bumpers
0: totally you do you welcome all speedsters zach well that's a pretty good spread of what we got asked i want to save some of these so that we have uh future topics to talk about maybe we can talk airplanes one of these times and and uh i can talk about all the warbirds and interesting private jets pjs that yeah I'm maybe when about. we
1: finally get a p51 mustang listing we can make the airplane oh, pod- podcast.
0: One of our power sellers, I won't say which, he one time teased a 4 Phantom, which I didn't even know you. Do you even know what that is? I like no a Vietnam era supersonic fighter um, that did not come to pass. Not sure what the F4 Phantom market is like these days, but I love it when we list airplanes. We've listed a few, but yeah. it's been a while since we had one. And typically they're like kind of garage art. Usually they're not super functional. We had an air coupe project. We had some kind of home built, but I would like to list more, although that's a complicated thing.
1: Yeah, a few more, a few of the collectible ones would be nice to see.
0: Okay, Zach, anything else? Uh, that's that's 40 minutes. If, if that's you've
1: a... listened this long, one, shout out to you. And <laughs> two, if, if you have questions for us, yeah, hit us up at podcast at. I like the staff, assuming like a seller persona, but it'd be cool to lob just general questions at us or topics. And that goes for our entire community and listener base. Well
0: said. Hope you have a great weekend, Zach. It was fun to do this with you. Yeah, Can't wait likewise. to do it again. And uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you soon.